1: Welcome to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio, broadcasting from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of British Columbia. If you're listening to this on the podcast, this is episode 179. So welcome everyone, this is our first live show that we're doing. Hopefully it's going out loud and clear to everyone. And it's our first post-game show of the season as well, because the Whitecaps were in action tonight. Playing out a 0-0 draw against Philadelphia Union in not the most exciting season opener we've ever had at BC Place. So we're going to talk about that tonight along with a few other things. We've got a chat with new white cap, old white cap, Mauro Rosales. Um, We're also going to take some tweets from listeners as well. So if you want to get in touch, tweet us at AFTN Canada and we'll answer any questions you have about the white cap season, the game tonight, whatever it is. I'm Michael McCall.
0: I'm Zach Meisenheimer.
1: And uh, unfortunately, Steve Pander can't be with us tonight, so it's just going to be myself and Zach. Wait, did
0: he did he pass away or something?
1: He, he he's. I was going to say he's in a better place, but he's he's gone to Surrey, so I don't think that's really true. But you're stuck with us. Uh, we're going to talk for an hour, hour and a half, two hours, three hours. I don't know no one's on after us, so we'll just keep going until. Basically, we fall asleep or you fall asleep, or we get some tweets from you telling us to stop talking. But, as we say, the Whitecaps season, MLS-wise, got fully underway tonight. But before we talk about that, I want to talk about the game on Thursday night. History in the making. Whitecaps 2, New York Red Bulls 0, 3-1 in aggregate, and the Whitecaps are through to the CONCACAF Champions League semi-finals for the first time in their history.
0: It was a, a great evening. It was a great performance, uh, or a, a good performance, a uh, great result. Uh, it was nice to see the side, the players, be able to follow up on what, which, what was a very respectable away uh, draw in New Jersey, and uh, it was nice to see them get, to be able to get the job done, of course, Early goal made in Canada. You had uh, Marcel DeYoung putting in a nice cross. You had some incredible composure at, with a near post run. Alfonso Davies stopping the ball, faking, sliding it home, uh, and we were through. And uh, it's great to be on to the next round of the uh, the CONCAF Champions League. We have uh, uh, an uphill battle, <laughs> as we'll be playing Tigres eventually. Uh, But no, it was a great. It was a great night. It was a fun night at uh, at at BC Place. Uh, Only fourteen thousand people there, but I think the fourteen thousand that were there enjoyed themselves and had a really uh, a really good time.
1: Yeah, it, it was an absolutely fantastic way to start the season. Good, good crowd. I mean, for Champions League, we've seen it elsewhere in the league. The other teams just are not drawing. I mean, you saw it in the first leg. In, yeah, we had in a New few Jersey. more than
0: we had a few more than were in New Jersey.
1: Yeah, I th- that wouldn't be hard though. I, I think there was a just a, a few more folk at some VMSL games that, over the weekend than than what the Red Bulls got out for, for that leg, and it's disappointing because it is a fantastic tournament, and the Vancouver public it has certainly caught their imagination, and that is a good thing, and. Lots of people, I mean, I threw this out and we wrote an article on AFTN about it. Is the interest there from the fans? The players understand the importance of it. They've talked about it a lot, what it means to make history for them. The fans, the general feeling is that they're not going to really fully appreciate what they've got in the competition until MLS teams are regularly beating the Mexican sides. And some folk are saying, even with that, not until an MLS team wins it. So, I mean, you're looking at the semi-finals. Vancouver have got Tigris. And you've got Pachucha, Pachuca. 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 My pronunciation's terrible. At the best of times for foreign stuff. Uh, they're playing FC Dallas. We could have an all-MLS final. We could have an all-Mexican final. We could have one of each. Before we can uh, talk too much about that, looking at the performance on Thursday night, it, the, the most pleasing aspect, I think me from it was the fact that the Whitecaps didn't have their strongest lineup out there but they got the job done, the hunger was there and it was a solid team performance Breccia coming in just traded the weekend before 14 hours it took him to get here, he's still trying to settle in and come to terms with the fact that he's just in another country, just out the blue, and he came in and he put in one hell of a shift.
0: Well, and and he not only that, but he played in a position that he wasn't, He didn't ha- I don't think he's played very often, and he wasn't, they weren't planning on playing him. The plan was to have Nico Mesquita uh, play up front or just behind Mane, Uh but Nico's hip gave him a little bit of a problem, and he had to pull out of, of the squad, and so that moved Breche from the left side of midfield, put him up front as the lone striker, uh, or sorry, with Kakuta behind him, or Kakuta with him, depending on if you want to call it a four-two-three-one or a four-four-two. Uh, they they called it a four-two-three-one in, in the information they sent out, but uh, and that brought in Marcel De Jong to play wide on the left, and uh, so it wasn't it didn't it didn't go to plan. I think what they what they wanted to do, but it came off really really well with how Marcel played and the performance he put in and and uh, the assist he the assist he created and. Uh, so, but but Breck yeah Breck was Breck was respectable up front he did a respectable job up front it, in the game we we saw it again tonight but in the in the game on Thursday we played a lot of balls up to him in the air for him to win yeah or to him for him to flick on and uh, it it wasn't necessarily the most easy on the eyes football uh, but it it was effective enough on that on that day and. Um, he, yeah, he put, in a, he put in a very respectable performance on Thursday, and again, t- tonight, he was asked to do a little bit of the same, but we'll talk about that in a little bit.
1: Yeah, one thing I will say just about Breccia tonight was his control really was poor. It was something that Steve and myself were talking about during the game. It's something he really needs to work on if he's going to be playing up front. But g- going back to Thursday, Nicholas Mosqueda, he was training on the Wednesday. I was there at the training session. I didn't want to tweet it out because I really wanted to keep it quiet, not to tip off New York or anything like that. That was good of you. But he he was playing. He was meant to start. And then after about an hour, he came out. And he immediately was sent back to the training centre. So he kind of knew that it was going to force a, a change of plans. But the guys did well. And the last sort of things we have to really talk about from Thursday, first of all, the performance of Alfonso Davies really caught the eye. And it it's hard... You want to temper the hype. You want to temper the the expectation. And Philadelphia tonight, they they had a guy, their first ever homegrown signing, Jones. He was a a guy that, again, there's expectations on him and it's something I asked Jim Curtin about. And you do have to temper expectations for these guys. But everyone was singing Alphonse's praises. The composure that he showed for that first goal first of all let's talk about that but to get the ball in the 6 yard box and to have the maturity and the composure at that age to look up see that if he just takes a little step to his left he's got room and then put it past the keeper that's phenomenal and that's something that we've had a lot of older guys with the team that just can't do that
0: yeah they totally would just uh, slash at the ball and yeah it was it was uh, yeah it was a moment of maturity beyond his years which you know it's easy to say about alfonso he uh and but that, but it wasn't just the goal I mean that's the thing right It wasn't just the goal he scored, the winning goal, the goal that put us through, the goal that that won it for us. it was his overall performance, his his work with the ball, his work off the ball uh, there was times where just even the runs he made when he didn't get the ball, which was there some, probably something to talk about there, but uh, there where he made where he was in great positions uh throughout the night. Uh, yeah, his performance. Uh, yeah, he was. The, I mean, he for. I mean, for us as supporters, uh, he was the man of the match by far.
1: Uh, this is something I, I talked about in the the post game piece that I wrote on AFTN as well. But the, there was two moments that really stood out for me at the end. The first one was when he was tearing forward and he was brought down. It was a free kick, and instead of like so many players, would just uh, rolled around and just made sure that. They, they were going to get the free kick, maybe got the other guy yellow, kill some time. But all he was interested in was picking himself up off the ground immediately, running towards goal and to try and get a second goal. Robo mentioned it afterwards. And the second piece was later, just a few minutes after that, towards the end. Him and Montero, and we'll come to a little bit of that later on, but the link-up play and the understanding between them was fantastic. And he did so well to get himself in the box, make the position, and he looked up. And whereas we've seen it so many times with Kakutamani in the past, he would just have a shot. Alfonso looked up, saw Montero, picked him out. Montero couldn't do anything with it. He couldn't get his feet out the turf really to get the ball. But again, that showed maturity and a composure sort of beyond his years.
0: Yeah. And he's 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 a... He's a high football IQ, right? Like he... So it's you see him linking up with other players very well. You see him uh, his his role in the team. Uh, you see you see him find his place in the team very well because of that. And you know he's just a he's just a joy to watch. He's a joy to have uh, a joy to have on our side in, and and inner side. And uh, yeah, I think that uh, the well, the one thing they've been trying to do with him is not let the hoopla get to too high of a level. And you know that he started that game, uh, started again tonight. Uh, you know his, you know the performance on Thursday. You know there's articles being written left, sort of left, right, and center about 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 him and about that performance. And hopefully they'll be able to keep his feet on the ground, keep his head the right size, uh, and that he'll be able just to continue to focus on the things he needs to focus on. Oh, his homework or whatever, and then just working uh, all the work he's doing in training, uh, so that he can continue to develop this season, continue to grow, continue to mature, and continue to to play a significant role in the, in, uh, in this team. It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see what happens with him for sure because he is s- showing such maturity because he is contributing. Uh, if this carries on, it's gonna be interesting to see how things play out for him in the near future and in kind of obviously the long term as well.
1: And after his recent performances, a a question that's been asked a lot on Twitter is when is he going to be involved in the Canadian national team? And it's, it's, people want to rush these guys and it's like they're already talking when is he going to be involved in the senior team? He wasn't involved in the under-20 World Cup that was recently on because they wanted to keep him for the under-17. But the key thing to see here is he hasn't got his Canadian passport yet, so until he gets that, he can't be involved in any aspect of it.
0: Well, he can't be involved for the senior but team?
1: He can't, he can't be involved in competitive action. He can be involved in camps. He can go away and play in camps, but he can't play... Like
0: in, like in the U-17 qualifiers. Yes, until
1: he gets his Canadian oh, passport.
0: Okay. Yeah, I think that's all... So that, I guess that's part of the reason why he wasn't involved with the U-20s. I think that the, the other thing about the U-20s is I don't, think the, I don't think the Whitecaps would have let him go just because they wanted him yeah, to be I mean, ready for the, the Champions League. And so I, we, we've spoken about it before. I don't think there was any way that that was going to happen. And so they just said, yeah, it, w- it was a technical decision. You know, you listen to Rob Gale talk and it, it was just it, it was a technical dis tech, uh, you know a, a decision made at the technical director position and there's been a change in that position uh uh since we last talked about it but um it was it, the decision was taken for him to play with his age group and so hopefully he'll be eligible for the U17s uh when they go when their qualifying comes
1: around so enough talk about what happened on Thursday, Let, let's talk about tonight's game Because we've kind of billed this as being a, a Vancouver-Philly post-game show So we should talk about it And there isn't really a lot to talk about <laughs> um, It was 0 White Whitecaps again showed some exciting spurts in attack um, We'd hope to kind of bring you some audio from after the game We might still be able to do that But we kind of had to really rush up from BC Place to get here and haven't really got it all queued up ready to go, if we can do it when we're playing some of the other stuff, we'll play that kind of later on in the show. But basically afterwards, Robo said it was he was encouraged by the performance. He said it was a good performance. He kind of says that most of the time anyway, but basically he felt defensively, particularly, it was it's like chalk and cheese from last season. He mm. felt this team last year and that kind of performance they they would have conceded whereas tonight he didn't feel that they were in any danger of conceding at all. Um not sure I would quite go that that much but they definitely had the better of the game. They made the running, they had their chances, they played a 4-4-2 formation basically. But for me the biggest thing that really stood out was there was no number 10 on the pitch and the passes in the middle of the pitch is what completely let them down all night. Yeah,
0: it's it's hard not to reflect on this match and and talk about issues in the midfield. But before I do that, I, I just want to say I, I agree with you and it's great like let's there are some positives. We need to take some of the some positives from this match and we've had
1: well, yeah, Robo said that was another thing. It's like he used that phrase a couple of times, lots of positives to take from it.
0: Totally. It's so like we've played three competitive games. We have back-to-back clean sheets. We've only allowed one goal in those three competitive games. Uh, the, the first two games, same back four. Today we had two changes to the back four. I think... Yep, uh,
1: Shannon Williams came in for Jake Norwinsky, the rookie, and I think that's kind of what we expected. We expected. Yeah. And then Kendall Waston was suspended after his shenanigans against Portland at the end of last season. So that gave Christian Dean his huge opportunity. And
0: that, to me, that was one of the positives from, from tonight, was Christian Dean getting in there, uh, getting a start and reminding us, at least in some ways, how what we have in Christian Dean. We have a strong, big, powerful center back who's going to win some challenges. There, uh, I, obviously, I only see a little bit of the game. I uh, don't see everything from the game. But there was a couple times where I got to see him just like muscle guys off the ball, win the ball from them, and play it forward. Um, so I think he's he's good in the tackle. Or tonight he was good in the tackle. But also... I think it's hard not to say that he's got the most potential, or he has the most talent from of all of our center backs in playing the ball with his feet, and we there was glimpses of that I think uh, in in tonight's performance. So I think uh, I think at the back we kept a clean sheet. It's great, uh, and again that was one that was one of the things from 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 Thursday's performance was uh, we just we were so we played so well defensively as an entire team and not just the back four or back five or six but the whole team was compact on on Thursday and hard to break down and I think we showed that again uh this evening
1: with Christian Dean he's a guy that it's impossible not to root for him and maybe everyone doesn't know this I mean you'll know that he had his two injuries last year he didn't play a minute last year tonight was the first start that he has made since August August 29th, I think it is, 2015. He played 90 minutes in that game. His last MLS minutes were in October of 2015, where he came on as a sub, played nine minutes. All of last year, MLS, USL level, didn't get a chance to play. He, he was playing really well pre-season. Then the week before the season started, he picked up an injury at training, That ruled him out till May. He was just coming back. I chatted to him first or second day that he was back. He was in such a good spirits, and he was saying he was feeling good. He was just dying to get on the pitch. And then two days later, second injury, uh, and that was his season ender. So most people know that. What a lot of people probably don't know is that his father also passed away in the summer. And he spoke a little bit kind of about that after the game tonight he said he was he was in some dark places and i mean that's so understandable it's it's something that anyone that's experienced that knows just what kind of levels it takes you in he was really close to his dad but he said that the white caps the coaching staff the teammates especially and his mum particularly really helped him get through it he's now back he's eager to go he was on the pitch today. He was a rock at the back. And he said he had a little bit of butterflies kind of before it started. But once he was there, he was phenomenal. And there was one play in the in the first half, actually, one play in the first half in particular, where you thought the Philly guy had got by him. That's the one I was talking yeah. about, yeah. And then he tracks back. And then brilliant play. But this was a huge night for him because this was his chance to show that he... He wants to prove to robo he
0: deserves minutes
1: yeah, he, yeah. It, a he deserves minutes, he wants to repay his faith in him as well, yes, and he wants to show that he belongs at m l s level, and he did that tonight, and the thing I loved most about it, which again, if we get a chance to play the audio will play that, but he said he's come into this this season, wanting to challenge Kendall for his place that's fantastic
0: yeah he, i mean. Christian Dean has such an incredible attitude. Like he's one of the guys. There's there's a number of guys in this side who have the right attitude that you that you want them to have, and Christian is is one of them because uh, he wants to fight. He wants to battle for his place, but he's also an incredibly supportive teammate at the same time. And he's yeah mentally mentally strong. Yeah, the last season was we we used to get to talk to him while we were setting up in the stadium, and he'd be having to do laps or having to do all these exercise yeah. and stuff and. Uh, yeah, you could see some of the, the, the times that were more difficult and you could you could see him, you know, chomping at the bit to get back on the field to kick a ball and then to, not just to kick a ball but to actually play. And, uh, I, you know, yeah, and including his attitude, I think th- sometimes as supporters, as fans of the club, it's, it's – it's it's hard because you look at things like what is a player making and what does that look like? And I think there yeah, you've heard I mean, a lot
1: of that generation Adidas tag that it was like a millstone nowadays. Yeah,
0: head. but but only only for not for him. You know what I mean? Like he he always had such I mean, he had such a good 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 attitude about that, right? Like for him, this is not about the money. This is for him wanting to yeah, pay back the coaching staff's faith in him and and the club's faith in him and he I, he's not like a if you hang out with him you know he's not like this greedy dude who's just like out for you know he made his money in those GA years and he just wants to make sure he, his next contract is the most no he wants to he wants to perform and he wants to repay the faith that's been, been placed in him
1: and we'll talk about some other aspects of the game tonight in a few minutes, but read a couple of tweets that we've had so far. The first one from A1SportsJunkie uh, with hashtag freegoldobin, that is his username. He said it was a bit disappointing tonight, but there was some decent vital signs and it might actually have a potent bench this year, which is something which the Whitecaps didn't have in the past. But he was talking about Dean. He said, Dean stepping up to fill Edgar's void is nice. A couple of other tweets that we've got. Um, Steve Panders actually tweeted us. So he may not be with us, but he's here in spirit. Is he at work? <laughs> no,
0: no, he's not. <laughs> he's not at work,
1: okay. He is tomorrow morning, which is the main right. reason that he's not here. Um, he said that with the lack of a cohesive midfield, the Caps are going to have to use their width and to to try and get anything going in the attack. And... He also added in that the confidence level for Christian Dean after tonight's match is going to be huge and I think going forward there's going to be an exciting battle at the centre-back spot. An interesting thing from tonight is people's perception of it perhaps from outside of Vancouver. So Mm. I I, I write for mlssoccer.com and my piece that I filed after the game tonight was about Christian Dean and the fact that the Whitecaps have had two clean sheets now in the space of four days, fantastic, everything like that. But there is kind of a a perception out there as well, really, that the Whitecaps didn't score tonight. So it's the goal-scoring Wolves back. And it's, I don't know, folk that are saying that, it's it's a little bit kind of hard to take. Going to some of the tweets that we've got, uh, we've got a good one here from justcapsthings. He wants to know, will the Whitecaps midfield be sorted out when Reyna and Bolaños return, or do they need some more help there before the transfer window shuts?
0: I think it's obvious that we are looking to add something to our midfield. I would be be surprised if we weren't uh, still looking to improve that. Uh, Reyna, it's going to be months as we're waiting. Bola, it could be as soon as next match that we see something from him. So, Uh, yeah. Help is some. Some help is coming. Some help is coming down the road, and I I wouldn't be surprised if at some point this season, between now and and July, if we don't have another midfielder uh, here. But it it is. I mean, we we talk. I mean, we talk about this post game as we sat around the pub. I mean, when you play a double shield where both players are destroyers or both players are predominantly about breaking up play and passing on to uh, other players who are more creative. If you if you lack creativity in one of those two central midfield roles, or, or both of them maybe in some ways, then your, your options are limited. And right now it's kind of like, it looks like we're trying to create everything from dynamic wingers or from f- strikers or forwards who are going to be able to create for themselves. And... Yeah, I guess you could say we've had a little bit of success. Although you know, talking uh, talking about you know these three game, three competitive games, we've had three goals. Two of them have come from set plays, uh, and so it's a little bit um, we're, we're lacking. I, I think we saw it today very clearly. We're we're lacking some creativity. We're lacking the ability to to create some chances. I, I, I know looking back on like last year or whatever, it was the, the issue was. We weren't finishing our chances. We were. We were. We created lots enough chances or lots of chances, um, and we weren't finishing. Today, it f- it felt like we didn't create enough, and so yeah, I would not be surprised to see some kind of midfield help. Look for Bull to be back in in uh, in the in the very near future, and uh, yeah, it would be interesting to see what what, what Jordy Raina can bring to the table when his uh, his metatarsals healed and he's fully rehabbed and ready to go.
1: Uh, another tweet which we had, which is an interesting one. When Eric Hurtado was named as the, the starting striker tonight, I could just imagine the reaction of certain people because it's like, Hurtado's starting, Montero's on the bench, what is Robo thinking about? And, I mean, Eric put in a shift, but he was never, he was awful. I can't think of a better word. Okay,
0: but again, I don't... I if, it felt like he was feeding on scraps. You know what I mean? Like the service... He
1: was, but as a striker, you also have to create your own scraps. You have to cook your own dinner. If we're going to start using food metaphors. You're making me hungry, Michael. <laughs>
0: um, I, hear, I hear what you're saying. I, 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 uh, I really appreciate Eric Hurtado. I really appreciate his effort. And uh, like we've talked about uh, in, in the preseason and, and even in and around the, the game in New Jersey... Uh, I think there's a lot that he's done um, to continue to grow and develop his game, uh, and I, I think he has a. I think I think robbo thinks he has a role to play this year. And um, tonight, yeah, it didn't result in a goal. It didn't result in a win. Uh, but I think we're still going to see him as a part of the part of the team. And I think I think you know moaning on Twitter or wherever that's fine. But I, I hope that. I hope that Eric will be supported when he's playing for us on the on the you know on the pitch.
1: One of the, the tweets we've got here is from at s smith c ninety two Spencer. He says, "Talking of Hurtado, since he's an ineffective striker, do you think Hurtado could be turned in to a central midfielder or a cam, an attacking midfielder?"
0: Uh no. I think. I think. Th- and we've done this with him in the past, I think Eric's uh, abilities and uh, especially his pace, you can play him wide in midfield or you can play him on the wing sort of thing. I don't I don't see Eric playing a role in midfield. Uh, and, I, and I don't know that he ever has at any level or any point in, in his footballing career. Do you, do you know? I I,
1: I I don't think so. I think he's always been a winger or an, an out-and-out striker. We know that once Montero's fit, Montero's going to start. And I think that Towards the end of the game tonight, the lineup that we saw on the pitch is pretty much going to be the lineup that the Whitecaps are going to have as their first choice. I think going forward, I wouldn't really be surprised if Shannon Williams kind of keeps his his place in the team, but he didn't do anything to completely stand out tonight. So I mean, him and Nerwinsky they're they're pretty pretty level, and if anything, Nerwinsky actually offered a little bit more going forward. I like Jacobson and Laba as the the two DMs. Um, we do have a kind of comment on Laba on Twitter here uh, from John Humphreys at LWO04. <laughs> he wants to know, would you drop Laba to open up build-up play options?
0: I... Uh... We've already talked with John lots about, <laughs> about about tonight's performance after the match. But yeah, I know. that does not help the people who no, are listening at home. Um I'm not surprised he says that I, I, I don't I don't think I don't think dropping Laba is, is gonna happen. Uh, just because of his role in the team and, you know, where he fits in with our you know, in the salary structure. So I I don't see that happening, but uh it's it it's more what's gonna be played next to him. So yeah rusty uh you know put in a performance in the two the two quarterfinal uh matches for the for the champions league aj played tonight um i I know i know some people you know reading some stuff and and hearing some stuff some people felt he was too um too safe and too with his passes but also with maybe his positioning and and not not getting forward um i I need to rewatch the match to kind of evaluate that but uh, I don't I, I can't see matthias being dropped I can't see Maddie being dropped from the side can you see him being dropped I can't, I can't see,
1: see him being dropped but that's not necessarily to say that I don't think that he should be dropped I'm concerned so that if, he's you, if up you if you drop him. right in two games right
0: fair enough but if you drop him who who's going in what does that look like
1: yeah like right now the thought of dropping him is kind of terrifying because Russell Tybert can't do what he does. Andrew Jacobson could, maybe. But he is probably still our best defensive midfielder.
0: Yeah, I think if so. If we
1: bring in somebody like Atiba Hutchison though, in the summer, I have him over Laba. I'm happy with Atiba starting on his own and looking at a different formation.
0: Yeah, I think, again, I was talking with some people about this this evening, but Bringing in Atiba, I think some people think we'll just solve all of our problems and all of a sudden we'll have this dynamic midfield. I don't really know that uh, that could happen, yes, but I don't really know. I don't really feel like that's where Atiba's strengths are. Atiba's strengths are are playing the smart, s- simple pass. You know what I mean? Like uh, He has a high football IQ, but he's not necessarily like your huge creative uh playmaker in the middle of the park um but yeah i I dropping i agree dropping laba it would 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 feel if so if you're dropping laba in in the way things are set up right now you're putting it in rusty so you have rusty and aj again you still have a double shield unless you're really encouraging one of them to go forward uh I don't really know what the difference is. Obviously, yeah, like you said, at some point he's going to collect enough yellow cards and that's going to have to happen. Um, Tonight's yellow card was harsh, it felt like. Uh, Tonight's yellow card was uh, difficult to take. It was one of those—I think he picked it up for encroaching on a free kick, right? Yeah, that's those. Yeah. That. I
1: mean, that's the thing though. He does take really stupid cards, and he also does do really stupid tackles. I think that w- slight tackles. I-, I
0: think that was like in response to the quality of officiating, though. I think they were not too happy with that free kick given. Yeah, you should he still shouldn't very do happy that. With
1: that official, at the best of times, of uh, course. Y- yeah. the guy that was in charge tonight, Stoica, was the guy that sent Carol Robinson off last season yeah. against Red Bulls. But, and
0: so. why was the referee changed?
1: I know it it was I was to be be Alan Alan so Kelly. looking for to Alan Kelly. I was saying to Steve when we were watching the game, I was like, oh, "I'll be good." I said like, he's not as good as usual, and he's like Stoiker, I was like, "That's not Stoica. And I said, like, "Oh, it is Stoiker.
0: Yeah, yeah. I accidentally called him. I, when the referees came in. I was like, I knew Alan Kelly was coming, so I said, "Hey, Alan Kelly." And They all looked at me like I was an idiot, and, and I realized, <laughs> well, that Alan Kelly's not here. Um. Well, question about question about midfield. Yeah. So question away. question from Twitter about the midfield from Gideon at Gideon Hill twelve. Uh, question about where do you see Kakuta fitting in this season? So we have additions like Shea and Bola. We have guys here like El Bicho and De Young, um, who can play on the left. Uh, and, he, and, he, and Gideon mentions that Kakuta didn't look good in a, in a second-striker attacking midfield kind of role tonight. Um, so where do, where do we see Kakuta fitting in? I, I think, first off, I think he's being played centrally to minimize his defensive role in the side right cuz when he's on the left
1: yeah he uh, doesn't track back and if you watched Alphonso Davies a couple of times tonight his track back game has grown has really yeah. really improved cuz he wants to keep playing there yeah and he's doing better than Kakuta does in that regard
0: yeah he's young he's younger and more maybe moldable in that sense but yeah. uh yeah so i think Kakuta's being played centrally so he has less or different less defensive responsibilities I, I don't see him whether he it's four four two or he's you know in the middle of the in the three of the four two three one. I don't. I, I will never see him. you. You can't call him a ten.
2: No, you can't, I, he's not. He's I, not. I,
1: I don't like him playing centrally. I hate him playing as a ten like he did in Wales. If you could call yeah. that a ten role that he was playing, he has to be out wide or up top. One or the other. Yes, um, he's got to be up top. I think. Even like just feeding in a little bit behind Montero. Maybe even if he's not on the wing, but just a little bit more, not total central, but kind of in between the center and the wing, just a little bit off Montero could be exciting.
0: When I think about Kakuta, it's hard not to be nostalgic and seeing him play in a four-four-two in that little yeah. fishing village in middle Cascadia with uh, a little, another little striker next to him uh, who just set him up all night long and he buried three goals. Uh, so it's hard not to th- – and I think that yeah. I think that's why some people th- also feel that centrally up top as a striker is where he belongs. Um, you
1: also have to worry about his health because when he went down at one yeah. point tonight, it looked bad. And he had a – he definitely had a lump for about five minutes afterwards running and walking. And you're like, uh-oh.
0: Yeah, it was like, okay, does he need to come off? Yeah. a little bit? Yeah, I, f- I felt that as well. And, but I think teams know that because they've talked yeah. kind of publicly about what it, where his issues are and what they are. And to me, ha- having seen the replay of that I, think that, I think that tackle was very intentional, a little like, I'm going to kick you where I know it might hurt you.
1: Um, yeah, and I think he's going to get a lot of that this year. And phones as well, they're going to try and, and rough him up. So we'll come to more questions in a little bit. You're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio. 101.9 FM, broadcasting from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of British Columbia. So, before we do any more chat, I'm pretty sure you're sick of listening to us right now, going to play you a little bit of audio that we got during the week. Um, Mauro Rosales, back as a Whitecap. Bit of a surprise when he kind of just suddenly appeared at Whitecaps training on Monday morning. Um... I'm, I'm glad that he's back. He, he, we needed a kind of veteran presence in the locker room. He didn't play any minutes tonight against Philly, but but was on the bench. We're going to hear from Myra in a little bit, but before we do that, Zach, just what, what's your thoughts on him being back in Vancouver? So you give him a big hug after the, the game on Thursday night? <laughs> was it a big hug? It seemed a big hug. Uh, a comfortable uh, hug, but yeah, I, I
0: think I give everyone a big hug. Uh... No, I think Morrow's been brought back to do a couple things. One is to—he's uh, an experienced winger, and we have some young wingers who could use some uh, some encouraging words and some encouragement on how to play. And so I think when you when when you bring in someone like him with all that he's been through and, and the places he's been and the, and the things that he's done, it's good for that. I think. Secondly, he's also been brought in to help. Uh, our one-year colombian lonely settle someone he knows well uh, someone he has a a a deep relationship with and so i think he'll help uh help him settle and uh get acclimatized to the city and be a part of the team so i think those and then and then he will be uh, he will play a little bit Uh, i know some people are talking about you know it's like Pa, Pamudaka last year is he like Earnshaw is he like Blas you know will he be that guy who only plays like three or four times a year and you're no, like he's, well, he's gonna play a lot I don't think I don't think he can play I don't think he can play a lot did you watch him last year in no I'm gonna
1: say a lot he's gonna feature in a lot of games but maybe just some cameo appearances right, in Okay. Those games okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think I would be surprised if he starts more than three or four or five games
1: I think he's there as an emergency yeah. right now, and he'll be used as a potential game changer. I would maybe have brought him on instead of Mosquito tonight just because of the fact that he had been playing with Dallas preseason and he was, I think, in better match shape than Mosquito was.
0: Well, With all these similar haircuts, I turned to someone and said, oh, Mauro's coming on. And they're like, you're blind, it's Nico. And I was like, oh,
1: okay, yeah. <laughs> so let's hear from the man himself just now. So as I say, I caught up with Mauro at Whitecaps training on Wednesday and we just had a chat about a, a number of things. Why he's back in Vancouver? Is he looking to get into coaching? And just how well does he see this Whitecaps team doing this season? So let's hear now from new Whitecaps, old Whitecaps, midfielder Mauro Rosales. <laughs> To, to a lot of folk, it's a big surprise that that, yeah. that you came back, but you you look really happy to be back. Everyone seems to be really happy to have you back.
3: Yeah, of course, of course. Uh, uh, when I had a chance, uh, no, not too long ago, just a few days, to to be back in the in the team with the boys, uh, having this opportunity, uh, I don't, I didn't doubt it because uh, it's a club that I like it so much that I love it that. Uh, uh, the fans always treat me great. The, the support is, 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 is phenomenal. Uh, the organization, the staff, that they're always uh, behind me. So uh, that, that is, is perfect. perfect. I mean also to, to come because I was uh, almost assigned in, in, in Dallas for one more year. Yeah. And I had a fantastic year last year uh, winning the Open Cup and the supporters shield as well. And uh, I, I came here to, to help like, uh, like I did last time. And uh, I reunited with a few few new guys, with uh, also players that played with me in, uh, back in, in 2015. And I'm happy, happy to be here again. Surprising, like you say. Yeah. But uh, I'm here and I'm pushing to to the guys uh, to the best, you know, trying to, to make a, a good team for this season. Uh, the team is facing a, a phenomenal opportunity for... Uh, for for them in Conga Cup, for the club for the city, so hope we we are lucky and uh, pass to the next round. So I can help a little bit more because I play for Dallas in last Conga yeah. Cup, So and
1: you, when you were here the last time, you did a lot of work with the younger guys. Yeah. and like obviously as you're getting on in your career, coaching something that you're maybe thinking about. Is that definitely something you want to go into a, an actual? Whether here or wherever, you want to go into coaching?
3: Uh, actually, I'm still not thinking about what I'm gonna do next. I'm just thinking and be uh, a better player. Uh, try to teach the, the experience what what I had in in the past with with my career to the young ones, uh, also to the to the ones that they, they had experience with games, but. Uh, if I can just help in, in some movements that we we know that uh, it's going to help the team to to become better I will and uh, obviously trying to be behind the, the it's a quality young team and uh, they they need probably when I was young I needed somebody to just to teach teach me some some uh, movements of some stuff in in the game that uh, it will help me to to get better so I will do this and I uh, I'm not trying to be in, in their position, but uh, I will push them to the best, and uh, they will become better. And I will be, become better as well. So uh, this is the team. This is what the team needs. So uh, we're, we're trying to build a, a, a tough team to beat, and uh, a team that how the same like we did the, in, the, in the past, being a successful team. This is what all want. So uh, trying to do that. And one of the guys that wasn't here when you were here before of
1: course is Alfonso. Yeah um, I know Robo particularly wants to kind of g- get your experience and share stuff with him and bring on his game What What have you seen from him and, and obviously you don't want to hype him up too much but what do you see in him that you feel he can do in this game?
3: He has uh, the, the potential and uh uh, physically, uh, physical is, is 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 perfect for him, and he's a strong boy uh, at, at that age. And he can face any 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 team here in the in the league. And uh, having some support from somebody, probably like me, probably like Breck, that they has also experience, and uh, also the the staff. And uh, we are all behind him to just try to help to become better and uh, this is what we need if he is doing good if he has confidence in, in if he become a better player uh, we are all benefit with that because the team will, will grow the team will be tougher and tougher and uh, uh, I see uh, a little Kekutamare uh, in the back in the days and uh, just uh, speed, quality, uh, good with the feet, and uh, also the, doesn't matter who is who he is facing. He will attack, and he will try to do the best. So um, I'm happy to be here and I'll be close to him, and uh, I wish him uh, all the best in in his career. So he's, he's doing excellent. I saw the game against uh, New York, and he he did very very good things. So. Uh, we, we all hope that uh, he can keep it during the season.
1: Last year, the team struggled. There wasn't a lot of MLS experience really in amongst the squad. This year, though, yourself, Brixie, Freddie Montero, you've all done it in MLS. You've all succeeded at the high level. Do, do you see from the little spell that you've had here, this is more like the team from two years ago and you feel confident that the team can really do well this
3: year? Yeah, yeah, of course. I'm, I'm really confident. This is why I came here. Because I believe this team will be will be good, or at least I can see the confidence. I can see the willingness to become better. I I can see the the willingness to work hard and and, and, and have a successful year. Uh, I think no one here want to have the same the same year like they had before. So uh, we are here to work. We are here to, to help. And uh, as you as you name few experienced players, we are all together to push Vancouver to. To the, to the successful years that they had before. That's great. Thanks so much, Mauro. Okay, really glad welcome. to see that. Thank you. Thank
2: you. Talk to you later.
1: Before the break, we heard from Mauro Rosales there. And yeah, I mean, we, we've discussed Mauro. Hopefully he is going to make a bit of an impact. I think when he was here towards the tail end the last time, he, he was starting to look a little old. His legs have maybe gone a little bit, but it is, I think he is primarily here, although we addressed it there and he, he said he's not thinking too much about going into coaching. I do think that he is brought in primarily as a player coach. If anything but title, he's, he's going to be doing that. At, at training this week, Robert Earnshaw was working with the strikers. Pamidou was working with the defenders. And I think we're probably going to see Mauro doing similar stuff at the end of the normal training, just with the midfielders and, and the wingers. And then who knows, maybe he will retire in the summer when rain is fit and, and transition into that. But as he said there, he's not thinking about that at all. So we'll we'll see what happens. It just adds a little bit of depth and a little bit of experience to the Whitecaps locker room. And I think primarily he is going to have been brought in to, to work with Alfonso Davies. And an interesting thing that kind of came out over the weekend is uh, there's an interview with Giles Barnes, Julia Binks. I can't remember. It's a double-barrel name. I can't remember her first name. And... Giles Barnes said that he was very close to Alfonso here and that Alfonso's taking it quite bad that, that he's gone to Orlando. Basically the fact that he, Giles cooked for him and he drove him about and and he's gonna miss that. So I mean hopefully Mauro coming in can can do something to to maybe help bring the best out of Alfonso and and have that kind of influence on him.
0: True, yeah. I I, I think I think he has a, a huge uh opportunity, a huge uh it's a huge opportunity to invest, and uh, I hope we get to see the fruit of that in the, in the short term, but also I think you'll see it in the, in the long term.
1: So we're going to get back to some tweets. You know when you have a, an idea and you're like, yeah, let's just get people to, to tweet us questions, and then so many folk tweet them that you can't read them all, and you're trying to work out what controls and buttons to push at the same time. That's what's happening tonight, so I'm going to learn from that. Just a word as well, that when we do these live shows, we also have a phone line, but we thought that was maybe not a good idea to do on our first live show, but we'll hopefully, we'll do a live section soon. So just getting to, to some of the tweets here. Oh, there's a way to read one from you there, just saying that we're on air, so there's not really much point in that. <laughs> um, so we, we've got a, a question here from Joel Nutson, and he is... Asking, are we happy with the Whitecaps' six defenders? Why? Why do we think that Williams started ahead of nerwinski tonight? Is it going to just be to, to rest nerwinski or are we likely to possibly be, see that? And he wants to know as well, who who does Carol kind of put next? Not really sure what he means by that, but. Who's he? Maybe going to switch about or put in the in the defense next to try and, and freshen things up a little bit, or are we going to see a bit of consistency? And is Williams going to be there next week in San Jose? Well,
0: I think yeah, that that is an interesting question. I think there's been a number of people I think who've questioned Jake more on the defensive side of things in, in, in those first two games uh, in the in the Concacaf Champions League. Um, I, I, I think Williams is going to kind of be the steady. Kind of guy when when maybe Robbo wants things a little bit tighter at the back, uh, and maybe in games where we're gonna have some maybe there's gonna be some more encouragement and influence for the fullbacks or one of the fullbacks to get forward. We might see Jake more in terms of what else, what other changes are gonna happen at the back. Yeah, with Christian Dean's man of the match performance, what do you do, right? So next game, Kendall's not suspended, right? So does. Does Dean hold his spot and Kendall come in? Does Kendall come in for Dean? Which of those, which two of those three, are gonna are gonna start? It's hard to see Kendall not starting uh, because of kind of what appears to be his role in the team, his leadership role in the team, as one of the captains or vice captains or, or whatever language they're using to to define that. Um, but Parker hasn't done too much wrong. Uh, And Dean's had this great performance. So do you drop him right away? Do you give uh, Parker the night off in San Jose? That's, uh, That's a good kind of problem I think a coach wants to have.
1: It is. And they're also going to have one eye on the Tigres game on the Tuesday. So we might, for a spell, see an MLS lineup and a Champions League lineup. I think Williams will start in San Jose. And I think he will save Nerwinski for the Champions League game. I also think Dean will start in San Jose beside Parker, and they'll save Kendall for coming in for for the Champions League game as well. It it's as you say, it's a it's a nice thing to have. To didn't do that much tonight, and I think he thrives best in the Champions League, so I would kind of drop him and maybe save him for the Champions League. Uh, Montero, you want to try and, and have him start in that game in Tigres?
0: Yeah, I think, Oh, I, yeah, I definitely. I, I hear what you're saying. It will be interesting to see how they juggle that with, uh, yeah, wanting. Uh, the, 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 the game away, the the, the the first leg of the, the semifinal in the Champions League is, is huge. And it's huge on, not just on the field, it's huge off the field. They needed to come back from Mexico with that second game, with with hope for that second leg, um, not just because we, they want to go through and all that kind of stuff, but off the field, you don't want to come back. You don't want to have people waiting to buy tickets, and then that game puts the the two legged series or, out of touch or what feels like out of touch, and and then you end up with you know a crowd like they had in New Jersey kind of thing. Um, and so I, I I think that you're right. Yeah, there will be some prioritizing, and it will be interesting to see what happens. I, I think I think you might not see uh, our our, num- our new number nine start in San Jose because they're saving him for Mexico. He might be held back.
1: Just quickly rattle through some tweets here. Um, so Tracy James Clark, that's uh, at Tracy James Clark on Twitter. Um, oh my God, Freddie Shea, Fonzie and Bola go four four two. Laban AG and, and the MLS Cup is ours, and they have Kikuta being the super sub. J underscore Duke says drop Jacobson and play mosquito but more advanced. Um Joel Nutson again says at the number ten role, Breck Shea staying in the wing, or is Mintaro's new is Montero's new future forward partner going to be Breck Shea? Are we going to see a Shea Montero front two?
0: It's really weird because how much has Breck Shea played as an out-and-out striker before this?
1: I don't think that much. I mean, I, I know him as a left winger. That's what I think of him as. Obviously, he had two years at left back, but he he's talked and he said that he's ha- he has played a couple of times as a as an out-and-out striker. Um, I just don't, as we talked about, I don't think it's touches there to be able to do that. I think he's better with the ball at his feet running than trying to bring the ball down or trying to control it. And we saw that tonight. He struggled... Big time with some of the balls that came in.
0: Yeah, I think he's eventually, when we look back on the season, going to be used more on the on the left wing, and uh, Freddie Montero and, uh, and Kakuta Mane and the like are going to be played through the middle. And it might look more like that f- the the four four two that you, that was just you were just mentioning there. But again, that what is how does that solve the lack of creative problems? That we that we were talking about in the match tonight, right? Uh, you know, if you read through the tweets there, uh, you know, uh, Steve Pander talks about how yeah we need to have our created creativity come from the flanks, and then John Humphreys counters that with, but teams have kind of figured us out for the last couple of years. We've been the teams know they have to shut down our wingers. So you saw tonight, you saw Alfonso being double teamed, right? You saw you saw them know that our greatest the greatest possibility of chances being created were going to come from the from, the, from those wide spots, and so it's it's it, it, it's it's really difficult without another midfield option. It's really difficult without having more forward play from one of those two in the double shield. And I know I'm going to sound biased, and maybe it's just the hoodie I'm wearing at the moment, but. I, I, I we miss we miss a Gershon Kofi who had some abilities to get forward. I know you, Michael, you'll probably counter with his consistency in getting forward. Or, or it was an issue. Yep. But we, I,
1: I can just go and play some old podcasts. And there, exactly. me speaking.
0: But I think we really have been missing that. I think last year we missed it defensively, and I think right now we're missing kind of it uh, a, a number more of a more of a number eight, more of the box to box kind of person. Because we don't have we don't have create, creativity coming from the middle of the park.
1: So, just rattle through some some more tweets here, talking about John Humphreys at LW004. He sees Laba as a shutdown sub, and he thinks that would fit his skill set perfectly in a four-one-four-one with the back four of Jacobson. With, like you've got the back four, then you've got AJ and Shea together, and then Nika, Nico Bola Davies and Montero. Um... He also goes on to say that he doesn't think the Whitecaps do well because of that double shield. And it's something we've talked about a lot. Too many cooks in the kitchen. He feels Nico, though, is a, is a good harasser. And Jay Duke counters that by saying he'd be willing to see it, especially against teams like Philly, who don't particularly have good attackers in the middle. But clearly Robo is going back to tactics of a solid defence and hitting on the counter. Um, so I expect a lot. Off the double shield.
0: Well, Jay did mention that earlier too. He wouldn't mind seeing Nico next to Laba, but a little bit higher up. And it was kind of interesting that we didn't try something more aggressive tonight. One, being at home, and two, yeah, playing against Philly, which there's a lot of question marks about how Philly, you know, what Philly's going to look like this year.
1: Yeah. So we've kind of rambled on so far for over an hour, but we've still got a little bit more to to bring you. So what we're going to do now. Is my favourite section of the show. So as regular listeners will know, that means wavelength. And for those who haven't heard it before, wavelength is where we just play you a football tune. And this week's tune, it's it's a football themed tune. You could argue that although it's a football themed tune, it's only the chorus that is football themed. Anyway, I'm waffling. It's from 1980. It's by a Scottish artist called B.A. Robertson. It's called Knocked It Off and it's from his album Initial Success. And it's basically just a song about football, fame, the trappings of fame and everything that goes with it. So this is B.A. Robertson, Knocked It Off.
2: My vocation took a little application I'm an overnight sensation, the king of rock Available for parties, bar mitzvahs and charities Do another session, I'll be carried off I have my creativity, think of my sensitivity You know I really love my art you're a boring no it Me pop. I'm happy to be playing. What's that you're saying? There's gotta be a limo to take me down the shops. till I'm making stuff it. I'm not about to rough it in some granada gear. I was top of the pops. Pop folk are fickle when they get a little tickle. When they get a little sick, when they get a little flop. I knocked it off. You knocked it off. Well, I was sitting in the corner when my tracks are off. But I was hoping I'd be.
1: Yeah Robertson there with Knocked It Off from his album Initial Success. I'm claiming that as a football song because that, that completely disagrees with that. He, he's well, I, but during that he's go, What's that got to do with football? It's like listen to the chorus, man.
0: And then I did and You're yeah. right, there's a well, time there's a tie into football there.
1: Yeah. N- next week it's gonna be a wavelength special, so expect lots of songs from Half Man, Half Biscuit, I Ludicrous, <laughs> Serious Drinking. Have to have Frank Sidebottom in there.
0: Can, can I bring some stuff?
1: Is it football related? Totally. Okay, then yeah. All right, let's let's go for are it. Are we? Let's,
0: is English? Are we? Does it have to be in English?
1: I think it would really <laughs> help. Yeah. Um, I, who knows? I might even play my favourite Swiss punk band, Vanilla Muffins, again since we kind of uh, balls that up when we're doing our live Mixler podcast. So we're we're going to wrap this up pretty soon because I'm convinced when I go out, my car is going to have been towed. So we'll see if that happens. Just before we go, a couple of things. So Whitecaps, next game at San Jose. There's some interesting results so far this weekend. Well, it's over now in MLS. And San Jose kind of looked more impressive than I thought they were going to look. When we did our MLS predictions, Mm -hmm. which you can find on AFTN.ca, Pretty much our whole team had San Jose and Minnesota either 10th or 11th in the West. But they definitely looked a little bit better than I was expecting. First game, though, so you maybe can't read too much into it. The, that
0: match wasn't a great football match, from what I remember. I mean, the, no. goal, the goal was brilliant. The celebration was nice. But the match itself didn't really... I watched probably too much football this weekend getting you know, get ready for this. Yeah, and, it was... and, and it being the first MLS weekend and MLS Live and the games were on TV and... Uh, but I don't. Uh, I was that,
1: at two VMSL Division Two Cup games. Of course you were. So yeah, I didn't. That game they were the, more entertaining than what we saw tonight in a <laughs> lot of ways. But
0: anyway, that match didn't stand out to me. But the goal was was brilliant. Uh, it feels like it's a Dominic your team, right? And so I, I think we know what to expect going into that uh, into this game. So uh, I think we just need a good week of preparation there's going to be a plan for who's going to play in this game, who's going to play in Mexico. Yeah.
1: And I'm I'm pretty sure as well they're just going to fly from San Jose to Mexico as well, which does bugger up the hope I had of them putting on a charter flight that I could hop onto. Well, Unless I jumped into San Jose.
0: Yeah, the, you never know.
1: I was expecting Curva Collective or the Southsiders to get a, a charter flight on for the fans. You've let me down, lads.
0: Yeah. It's it's like f- usually like 40 grand for a charter flight, so...
1: You can't afford that?
0: Uh, well, I'm sure one of us could, but I don't, I don't know if anyone is willing to Well, I'm to sure if Greg
1: Carefoot is listening to this, he would love to put on a charter flight for the fans. Well, to say
0: it's for the residency team.
1: Yeah. Talking to the residency team, they were in action today in the snow. Do I actually have the scores? So Maybe I shouldn't have mentioned that. Another team that was in action this past weekend, WFC2, played their first preseason friendly on Friday night up here at UBC. And 2-0 win. Declan Wynn, he got the first goal in the first half, and if you missed our chat with Declan Wynn, it's on AFTN.ca, really good chat with the Kiwi International, who's back and eager to impress this year, hopefully to catch the eye of the first team. Second goal came from Ryan Dillon, a guy that we've watched a lot of times up at SFU, so he's on trial with Whitecaps too just now, so... Can't do much better when you're on trial than to, to bang the ball in the back of the net uh, on on your debut. So it's going to be interesting to see how well they do. They've got two more pre-season friendlies coming up. This Friday, I believe, is up at SFU. And then they also play the Fraser Valley Soccer League All-Stars the, the next midweek. So hopefully we're, we're going to get out to that. But anyway, that's it for this episode of the show. I had more stuff I was planning on playing, but we've kind of waffled on a little bit too much. So, Tim Parker's bucket list that we'd put together is going to have to wait for another show. It's it's a bit disappointing. But yeah, that's it for this episode. So, just before we go, Zach, just let everyone know where they can find us online. Uh,
0: Yeah, you can find me online on Twitter in the Twitterverse. It's at Zachary AM, and I'm part of the movement that's called Curva Collective.
1: And my name is Michael McCall. You can find me on Twitter at AFTN Canada. Read all our stuff, AFTN.ca, away from the numbers. I'm also the Cats beat reporter for mlssoccer.com, so check out my stuff on that as well. And I'm also the Western Conference reporter for uslsoccer.com. Anyway, thank you for being part of this. It's been a, a little bit of a hit and miss show at times. We, we'll get a little bit better with these buttons. It's the first live show we've done. Hopefully you've enjoyed it. I know there was a little bit of dead air, which is a huge no-no when you're on the radio, so we're going to kind of work on that. It's just a little bit strange pushing the buttons up and down. We're going to work on that. Watch out for our podcast if you missed all of the show, or just download it anyway, because our podcast numbers have gone way down since we started the live show. Um, but until next time, thanks for listening. Take care, and, and on, the on the Caps. Going to your first match is an experience you'll never forget.